When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another show for our episode of the Press Box, in which I'm joined by two of my esteemed Football London colleagues. First off, Kai Kaidak. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm in a very good mood after yesterday, mate. How about yourself? Yes, very good, mate. Very good. Cannot complain in any way. And making his debut on the Arsenal Way is Chris Wheatley. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm good, thank you, Tom. Yeah, and no, it's nice to be here. I think we've all got smiles on our faces as well, haven't we? Which is uh, nice to see. Mm, absolutely. And we've got plenty to discuss, of course, after all the fallout from the derby as well. Chris, I'm going to start with you just to kind of get your initial reaction to that display. Was it a surprise to you or expecting such a dominant performance or was that something that really came at you out of the blue? Uh, I think I'm surprised with the result. I wasn't expecting so many goals. I, was, I think I was expecting Arsenal to win, though, uh, especially after the past three games. I think Arsenal have improved since the start of the season. Um, I was happy as well that Granit Xhaka, one of my favourite players, started the game. I know a lot of people were critical of him, but um, I thought he had an absolute stormer in midfield. So, yeah, no, I think it was uh, a good performance all around from from back to front. And, uh, yeah, like I say, the only thing I was surprised with was the result. But, look, it was one of the best atmospheres I've experienced at the Emirates. Uh, the fans were amazing from start to finish. Uh, that new chant as well. Um, what was it? Tottenham are uh, Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. Yeah. I've been I've been hearing that while I've been sleeping last night. I, I can't stop <laughs> thinking about it. Um, but an amazing chant and amazing game. So yeah, good result all round. Kaya, your thoughts? Um, I wasn't lucky enough to be at the game, unfortunately. But I live pretty close to the stadium, and just walking around on Holloway Road afterwards, just everyone seemed to be in such a good mood and. I think it's not surprising given how well Arsenal played. You asked Chris, was it a surprise? I don't think even the most optimistic of Arsenal fans would have predicted 3-0 up at half-time. I think that mm. was incredible. I think just the way the game plan worked to perfection, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about maybe a little bit about how Spurs made it a little bit easy for Arsenal, but I'd like to focus on the positives of how well Arsenal themselves played. And yeah, I mean, there's very few negatives you can point out. I think it was a fantastic afternoon from 1-11 to 11 and we've already plan to talk about most of the players on the team individually because it's too hard to pick out so many individual players just because everyone was so fantastic yesterday and for me it was so refreshing and so mm. nice to see all the players really looking up for it in North London derby I think without fans being in the stadium there's maybe been a bit of a disconnect between supporters and players and sometimes derbies seem like they've lost a bit of their bite maybe but yesterday there was none of that every single Arsenal player looked so pumped up just for that game and it was really refreshing mm. to see it was interesting you said there about the kind of the negative side in the sense that 
Spurs performance left kind of an undertone, especially in quite a few of the pundits uh, that were speaking about the game. And that was a real disappointment because genuinely I looked at that Arsenal performance as such a step up from what we'd seen previously, the the patterns, the style of play, even just seeing triangles in different parts of the pitch with different kind of passing lanes was, was great and a big step up from what we've seen. As you said there though, Kyle, we've got so many different things to talk about. We are going to go through the different phases of, of the pitch. We start with the back line, Chris. Tommy Asu was brought into Arsenal on deadline day after a protracted kind of search for an upgrade in that right back position, which included names such as a certain Emerson Royale, uh, who was in the opposition's lineup, but squad for the game and came on at half time. It does seem that we may have picked the right one, no? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's only played a few games, but yeah, judging on yesterday's performance, um, I, I really like Tommy Yasu. I think he's he's a player who has good character. Um, clearly, Mikel Arteta, one of the traits that he looks for in players is someone who has good character. Um, I think when you look throughout that team, there's a lot of good guys in there. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, we're reporting on the club. I'm saying that because... Generally, I think Mikel Arteta has weeded out the players who weren't creating a good atmosphere at the club. And he's now got a team of players who are creating a good atmosphere. And I think uh, that kind of unity was shown on the pitch yesterday. But yeah, in terms of Tommy Yasu's performance, he was solid. I don't think he was the best player on the pitch by any mean. But yeah, uh, a good signing for Arsenal. Um, and I think, yeah, it's uh, if you count that one as Tommy Yasu... Um, Tommy Asu was a better signing than Emerson Royale. I guess you could say the result was 4-0 in the end. <laughs> Love that. In terms of kind of the, the tactical side of it, Kai, you've got a situation where Emerson is very much kind of your full throttle attack down the right-hand side, but has a lot of defensive attributes to his game and, and definitely showed that with his kind of metrics defensively in, in La Liga for Real Betis. But Tommy Asu is such an intriguingly different kind of fullback and one I think that whilst a lot of us called out for the right hand side Kieran Tierney in a way we wanted someone that could emulate what he brought on the right actually the tactical side of Tomiyasu dropping in and forming kind of that back three while Tierney pushes forwards has really balanced the Arsenal side yeah I mean you took the word right out of my mouth there balance is I think what Mikel Arteta was going for I was actually the day after transfer deadline day and the day after Arsenal signed Tommy Asu. I was I was fortunate enough to speak to Bakary Sanya, who was telling me about what it was like under Pep Guardiola in terms of what they were wanting from their fullbacks and the way they want the fullback to come in to help uh, the midfield in the build-up play, but also to provide that defensive cover. And I think Tommy Asu does that really well. He's not been dribbled past yet in any of his three games. I think he's lost one aerial duel so far. So he's very solid defensively, but he's also very good on the ball. He's very technical. Uh, he's very good with both feet and he's capable of just getting the ball forward a little bit quicker and obviously we all know how impressive Kieran Tierney is going up on the left-hand side and helping the attack. When Arsenal mm. attack, it's sort of that five-man front line and Tommy Asu comes in to form sort of a midfield three or he forms sort of a back three sometimes. And it just provides a really nice balance. It allows Tierney to get forward and attack at will. It allows players like Bakayo Saka to go forward and just be, just sort of have the freedom in the final third to know they're covered behind them. And I think Tommy Asu is, I think since he's come in, Arsenal have looked a lot more, like you said, a balanced side. And that's that's a really refreshing thing to see just because I think that's what Mikel Arteta has wanted since he came in. Obviously, Hector Bellerin isn't really that type of player. Callum Chambers did it a lot last season, but maybe lacks some of the technical capabilities and isn't the best defensively one-on-one. 
Cedric, um, yeah, we maybe he's more of an offensive right back than a defensive right back. So I think they finally found that player in Takahiro Tomiyasu who can be the guy who can come into midfield, who can offer more cover and who can allow the attack to attack with a lot more freedom as we saw yesterday. Interestingly, Chris, ever since the end of the international break and the signing of Tomiyasu, of course, not only did we see the Japanese international come into the starting lineup, but Arteta got back his two key central defenders in Ben White and Gabriel. And in those four matches since then, one goal has been conceded across the games against Norwich, Burnley, Wimbledon, and, and now, of course, Tottenham too. How much of a step up for Arteta is this? And we've put a lot of emphasis on kind of how much strength Arteta's just general style in the 18 plus months he's been here has brought to Arsenal's solidity at the back. But how much of a step up has it been to have White and Gabriel back in the team? Yeah, I think you, you've summed it up perfectly there. I think it's been a, a big step up. I think both players add a lot to the Arsenal defence. Um, we know Gabriel has a lot of good qualities, um, especially in the air. He's good on the ball. Um, but what I like about him, uh, again, uh, I'm not talking more about the football side, more about the character and personality side, because for me as a fan as well, that's what excites me. Mm. Um, you could see his high fives with Ramsdale, the way he was um, encouraging the Arsenal fans to sing louder. Um, I don't think they could have got any louder. But yeah, I thought that was really nice. And um, in terms of Ben White, a lot of people were saying he had a, a struggled against Burnley the other week, but I thought he did okay. Um, people were saying he was going to struggle in the aerial duels against Chris Wood um, and Ashley Barnes, and in the end, he didn't. So, look, I think Arsenal players are proving a lot of people wrong at the moment, um, and long may it continue. Absolutely. Last area of the defence, Kyra, of course, uh, we can touch on Kieran Tierney. He was kind of left aside by the performances of Tommy Asig and Gabriel, but behind those back four was Aaron Ramsdale, who since joining the club from Sheffield United has just proven so many people wrong. Uh, the reaction online just when the links were, were coming forward. And I remember, Chris, you reporting on the initial contact being made around the, the deal with, with Arsenal and Sheffield United at the time. And just those stories sparked such visceral reaction from so many supporters writing him off almost immediately but Kyrie's he's done anything but prove them lot right basically yeah I think I don't think there's ever been an Arsenal signing that the majority of Arsenal fans have wanted to succeed as much as Aaron Ramsdale immediately when he came in <laughs> you talk about soft factors and things that don't necessarily matter but they do matter and these things like winning the fans over the way he's formed an instant connection with the supporters with how uh animated he is all the time with that connection he's got with the back four as well with how much he's given them confidence and I think he's clearly someone who is living out his dream by playing for Arsenal and a lot of Arsenal fans can connect with that and when they see a player out on the pitch particularly in the North London derby someone like Aaron Ramsdale is an extension of the fans on the pitch and it's really important Mikel Arteta has spoken as to why he's maybe got the nod over Bernd Leno in recent games it's not because Bernd Leno is particularly bad in goal or even that he's necessarily too bad with his feet. I actually think Bernardo gets a lot of harsh criticism for his ability to play out with the back, although Ramsdale is fantastic at that too. It's it's the charisma that Ramsdale brings to that back line and that confidence that he brings to the back line. It's so important for a goalkeeper to provide that. I remember Wojciech Szczesny had it when he was in goal and that's why he formed quite an instant bond with the Arsenal fans in the back four. Going all the way back to Jens Lehmann, he definitely had it. So players like that are really important, particularly in a back line where the unit is much more important than further up the pitch where you get a bit more individual brilliance. So 
yes, he's fantastic at playing out from the back. Yes, he's making fantastic saves, like that one from Lucas Mora yesterday, which was unbelievable. I mean, I remember all those screenshots of the Emmy Martinez save against Liverpool when he made a deflected save in the last minute against Liverpool. I'd argue that that one was even better yesterday from Aaron Ramsdale. But it's not just that, it's the charisma he brings, the assuredness and it's that connection with the fans, which is just so important for what Arsenal are trying to do right now. For the defenders too, I mean, a goalkeeper that provides confidence to defenders is so key. You think about that Bert Leno has had a couple of issues with his distribution. If you're a defender playing that ball back, when you're in that moment where you've got to make a decision whether to either clear it or play it to another fullback or your partnership centre-back or the goalkeeper, if you've got a keeper behind you that's you know struggling with his distribution, it, it offsets you and mistakes can creep into your game when you have indecision in your mind. But if you've got a keeper like Ramsdale that's got a track record of being competent and confident on the ball, it gives you that freedom and, and trust as well that maybe Leno lost a little bit towards the end of his, his tenure as, as the starting number one. <laughs> Chris, I've, I've allowed uh, the next move to go on to one of your favourites, as you mentioned at the start of the show, in Granite Xhaka, and is what I would describe as a bit of a surprise uh, for many fans. Maybe not necessarily a surprise, but I think when he was put into the Arsenal lineup, a lot of fans kind of dipped their heads like, oh, OK, right, let's hope that uh, he doesn't do a Xhaka, uh, as we've seen against Manchester City, and that we see some of the performances that we have seen, admittedly, yes, in an Arsenal shirt, but mainly more so maybe in a Switzerland shirt, that where he's got main, mainly kind of his big plaudits. He mm. was fantastic. Um, unfortunately, it did end with a pretty sad injury for him with that collision with Lucas Moura. So just to ask you from that point of view, what are you aware of with the latest of that situation? And also, if it is to be a long-term layoff, do you think this could have an impact on Arsenal's January transfer plans? Uh, I don't know in terms of uh, how long Jack is going to be out for. I presume um, it's not going to be a hugely serious injury because he was walking on the pitch after the game. Um, but um, I think Dr. Rajpal Bra, was, I think, Tom, you spoke to him and I'm sure mm. he's given maybe an indication of how long he could be out for. Um, but no, I think Xhaka is going for a scan today and then we'll find out the latest uh, when that the scan results come back. Um, as far as Xhaka is concerned, uh, I think one of the things about Granite that I don't think that's helped him is social media. I think every mistake and everything, every bad thing that he's done um, in terms of the altercation with the fans, um, any moments like the one against Burnley, the red cards, these kind of moments get clipped up, put on social media. Um, and I don't think that really helps the player. And obviously it's not just Shaka, that's for any mm. player uh, around the world. But with Granite, I think that has been a big issue for him. Um, but in terms of him as a player, I, I really like him. I think Kaya knows as well. Like I'm a huge fan in terms of what he offers. Again, character. I think Mikel Arteta probably agrees with that. That's the reason they offered him a new contract uh, in the summer. And yeah, again, a great performance yesterday alongside Thomas Partey. So um, hopefully we see more of that in the coming weeks if his injury isn't as, as bad as it looks. Do you think with, uh, with the injury leaving us so kind of light, either you look back on the previous window and say maybe we missed a bit of a trick in not bringing in... We were clearly linked with midfielders. There was Ruben Neves, Locatelli, Bruno Gimaraes, all of these players. Do you think that could be either revisited in January or that they may have just run out of time with that one and money, possibly, if they've been able to move on more players this summer? 
Yeah, possibly in January. Uh, I think the summer is more likely for for a transfer mm. um, in terms of in terms of a midfielder. I think Arsenal have got a lot of midfielders, um, a lot of options in midfield. I think they've also got a lot of young talents like Miguel Aziz, Charlie Patino. Um, someone like Patino couldn't even get in the squad for the EFL Cup game the other week. Um, so yeah, I think Arsenal have plenty of options there. Yeah, you mentioned Aziz. I was at Charlton's game against Portsmouth on Saturday. His mother half is a, is a big Charlton fan. And I, I managed to go along the lines of, yeah, we're, they're playing Portsmouth. So I'm on a scouting trip for Miguel Aziz. Didn't come on, didn't play. So uh, that that was uh, fully in the mud for that one. Uh, Kai, speaking kind of tactically about the position of Xhaka being out and Arteta reverting from the 4-3-3 that had a lot of, you know, positives against Burnley when we used that. With Xhaka now being out, do you think this could mean that he leans towards reverting again to that 4-3-3 or do you think Lukonga's presence means that he's got enough to play at 4-2-3-1? I don't know if he trusts um, Albert Sambi Lukonga enough um, to play in that sort of jacker role right now uh, in the 4-2-3-1. I think the, the reason I say that maybe against lesser opposition like Norwich where he did come in and play the double pivot that could be seen but against Manchester City Arteta didn't trust Lukonga just because... <laughs> He's really good on the ball. He's great at passing forward, but I think sometimes his off-the-ball stuff leaves a little bit to be desired. And I think sometimes he gets caught out of position a little bit when it comes to protecting that back four. That's so important. And that's something that Granit Xhaka does very well. I think you mentioning those names that could have come in to Arsenal. I, I don't think they were necessarily likely while Xhaka was still at the club, just because Arsenal have signed Albert Samuel Lukonga and they have so much faith in him. I think he's looked really good early doors, but I think if he is to come back into the side, it will either be as a sole pivot, sort of playing back up to Thomas Partey, or maybe in games where Arteta decides he wants a bit more defensive solidity in one of those number eight positions where we've seen Emil Smith-Rowe and uh, Martin Erdegaard play recently. Personally, I think if Xhaka isn't in the side, then Arsenal probably should be trying the 4-3-3, just because that's what Mikel Arteta has said he wants to do for Arsenal and he wants to transition towards that kind of team. But then it was interesting yesterday, obviously the full squad was available so, Mikel Arteta clearly thinks Granit Xhaka is a key part of his preferred starting eleven, and probably what he's using his best starting eleven. But for me, Xhaka doesn't have the ability with his back to play to play the number six role that we've seen Thomas Partey do, and he doesn't have the mobility to play in the number eight position. So, if Arsenal are going to play him, they have to play a four-two-three-one. So, that just brings up more questions than answers, really, for me right now with the midfield situation. I'm sure we'll, we'll find them out in the weeks to come, but. Let's not forget Ainsley Maitland-Niles as well. He's done quite a good job in central field when he's been asked to play in that position and has done pretty well in the Carabao Cup games, did well against Norwich, did well coming on against Burnley. So Arsenal have options in central midfield, which I don't think they did last season to replace Granit Xhaka, but obviously we'll be hoping that it's not too long in England. Yes, we will, of course, uh, be updating you as soon as possible on London if we hear anything on the line of Xhaka's injury. Chris, moving into kind of that front line, uh, a big decision was made when bringing in Granite Xhaka because it meant sacrificing one of the forward-thinking players from that 4-3-3, and the player that was sacrificed was Nicolas Pepe. Do you think that indicates a kind of a pecking order scenario around Arteta's mind about who he trusts more on the right-hand side? And do you think with how successful Bukayo Saka was, it could have a lasting impact on the amount of minutes that Pepe will get this season? I don't think it's a trust thing. I think Mikel Arteta trusts all of his players. But in terms of Nicola Pepe, he's someone who 
you could argue has been inconsistent over the past couple of seasons since he joined the club. I think last season he was impressive in terms of his uh, statistics, especially in the Europa League where he did really well. Um, I just think the game yesterday suited Saka. Um, and really, what I really liked about that lineup was that it was a blend of youth and experience, but we really did see all of the hail end products on the pitch other than Maitland-Niles, of course. But I think Saka and Smith Rowe are the future of Arsenal, and I think that's what Arsenal fans wanted to see yesterday. I think Nicola Pepe is someone maybe who, long term, I can't see him being at the club for more than a couple of seasons longer, to be honest. I don't think he is. He fits into that Arteta mould. He's a good player, but again, uh, we always go back to his transfer thing. I don't think he's worth that £72.5 they've paid for him or they're still paying for him. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a good decision by Mikel Arteta. I mean, everything he decided yesterday pretty much worked. So it was a good day for him. And, uh, yeah, I think Pepe will probably understand why he was left out in the end. I agree. Um, it's interesting, Kaya, when you think about the kind of the narrative around Bakaya Saka prior to the weekend. A lot of criticism was labelled at him. But you think about the Burnley game, the Norwich game, wasn't able to influence things. He obviously didn't start the game against Wimbledon. What was, from what we understand from what Arteta was telling us, really pushing to have some involvement in that match, probably aware of of his form not being necessarily as as good as it could be going into such a key game this weekend. Do you think that that right wing is his natural habitat of where he needs to kind of specialise going forwards? Yeah, I think some of the criticism of him was a little bit harsh. I, I slightly disagree with you on him not having an influence on the Burnley and Norwich games. He won the free kick that Martin Odegaard scored and his run mm. uh, in the build-up to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goal against Norwich was crucial. So he did have an impact from the left wing, but he's such a good player that we want him to be scoring and assisting every single week. And Obviously, Arsenal fans want to see their young talents doing well, so fair enough. I agree with you. I think the right wing is probably where we're going to see that more often. Obviously, Saka is such a fantastic, versatile player. He can play left back, right back. Basically, anywhere, as long as it's not centre-back or maybe goalkeeper, he can probably play, which is just a sign of how intelligent he is for someone so young. But I think if he's going to go to that next level and really become sort of stratospheric, as we know he can be, it has to be in one particular position. And... Last season, for me, his best football was on the right wing, where he could sort of interchange with Martin Odegaard uh, in that sort of right half space, be drifting in, get shots off on his left. But he's also capable of going to the byline and putting in crosses on his right, which I'd like to see Nicola Pepe do more often, but he doesn't because he likes to come back in on his left. We all know how one-footed Pepe can be sometimes. But I think Bukayo Saka on the right, it just it just makes sense. I think that's where he, he showed that he wanted to play, obviously coming on against AFC Wimbledon in midweek. He influenced both the second and the third goals from that sort of right half space. That seems to be where he wants to influence the game the most. And it seems to be where he is able to do that most successfully. So for me, Bukayo Saka on the right wing makes the most sense. And I'm hoping that we'll be seeing that more often, even though it is a bit harsh on Nicola Pepe. And Chris was mentioning that do you wonder about what that means for Nicola Pepe's future. I kind of agree. It's coming up to at the end of the season. He'll have two years left on his contract. So Kind of that famous Ralph Senyahi interview where he said after two years, Arsenal are going to sign or sell. Coming up to that sort of stage with Nicola Pepe, Arsenal won't want to keep him into the final year of his contract because he's a player who, sort of around that age bracket, can get a decent amount of money in the transfer market. I don't know who's going to necessarily pay it, but he could fetch a decent fee if Arsenal decide to sell him. So if he's not able to get enough game time this summer, I'm sorry, this season, then this summer it could be a big transfer decision for Nicola Arteta to make, particularly given that. Bukayo Saka is looking so impressive on the right wing. 
And when you consider you've got someone like Gabriel Martinelli waiting yeah. in the wings to come through as well and is in desperate need of minutes, it could open that path and, and make the club more comfortable to, to see, say, a bid accepted for, for a Nicola Pepe in the future. Chris, kind of moving into the final uh, couple of players and the performances, Emil Smith-Rowe has been challenged so often to add a few more goals and assists and goal contributions to his game, getting in a goal and assist in a North London derby, describing it as the best day of his life. Um, and seeing so many, we've mentioned Saka there, we've got Maitland-Niles on the bench, these Hayland graduates coming through, and obviously with Arsenal signing more homegrown players in the summer with Ben White and Ramsdale coming in, getting that kind of British core again back into Arsenal. It's great to see, isn't it? And, and Smith-Rowe in particular, his performance stepping up again. Oh, you're, you're on, on mute, Chris. Mate. There you go. <laughs> 2021 problems. I knew that. I knew I shouldn't have put myself on mute. Um, yeah, no, I was just saying I love it. Uh, I love the fact that Smith-Rowe and, um, and the Hale End guys, boys, or should I say, uh, are in the team. And I think Smith-Rowe is... Uh, people were speculating that he could have left the club in the summer. I know Aston Villa wanted him, but I don't think there was any ever chance of him leaving Arsenal um, this summer. He's always spoke really of how he has a connection with the fans and how he loves the club. I think we saw that again with his celebration as well. Um, what a goal that probably means for him and his family. Best day of his life is a, a big statement to make as well. I'm sure when he has kids, that's going to change. Um, but yeah, look, it's uh, it's great to see that the Halen boys um, doing it for Arsenal. And again, long may it continue. Yeah, best day of his life so far is, is probably, to, to quote the Simpsons movie, I think, at some point. Um, but some fantastic scenes with, with him, especially on social media. And Kai, to round off uh, kind of the team before we take a couple of questions from the chat box, you you in particular wanted to talk about Pierre-Eric Aubameyang and, yeah. and the possibility that this could be a renaissance of his career, yeah. I suppose. And is this we've we've said this a few times, Kaya, because he's gone through dips in form previously. He scored, and we've said, "Oh, that that goal, he needs that for confidence. He needs that to get back." And then he's gone through another dip. Do you think this could be the, the catalyst that he actually does need? I I think I, I don't necessarily think he's been dipping this season. I think he's been good for most of the season. I think obviously he had COVID nineteen at the start of the campaign, which is a big illness. He had malaria towards the end of last campaign, but I think. In 2021, I don't think he's been as bad as maybe his goal return suggests. I think he's actually done okay. Not fantastic, but I think he's been all right. And I think yesterday was the most motivated I remember seeing him in probably years in an Arsenal shirt. He looked so pumped to try and get that win in the derby in front of the fans. We all know Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is a showman. We all know that he likes to perform in front of a packed Emirates stadium. Of course, the atmosphere probably played a big part of that, but I saw things from him that he seems to be learning. Even though he's 32, he seems to be learning new things. So dropping deep to involve uh, Emil Smith-Rowe in the build-up to his goal, that sort of link-up play that we say, oh, Lacazette can do that so well. Bamiang showed he can do it too. He was winning aerial duels, which I think is something that's really impressive for him because he's not necessarily always the best in the air. And you look at Davinson, Sanchez and Eric Dyer, those are two big guys. And he was pressing so hard throughout the game. Only Martin Odegaard made more pressures than him in the match. And that's because he worked himself into the ground and obviously when you think of a leader at Arsenal, at Arsenal you think of Tony Adams, Patrick Vieira, those kind of guys sort of like chest thumping, hard tackles and you start to think maybe that's the only way leaders can be but I think for the current Arsenal young group I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is a great example in the way he approaches games, the way he approaches training. 
yes, he's got quite a laid back attitude, but when it comes to the actual match, he is very focused and he's sticking up for his teammates. I wrote a piece this morning about how I, I noticed and I quite enjoyed him sort of shoving Eric Dyer away when Eric Dyer was trying to complain about the fact that Granit Xhaka was, you know, had the goal to go down injured, which really wound me up, but that's, that's something for another time. I just think he's showing really positive signs this season. And five goals in six matches is a fantastic return for a player who's supposedly out of form. I think that's pretty good. So, talking about a renaissance, I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, physically, yesterday he looked as sharp as I've seen him for a long time. And we all know that goal-scoring ability hasn't gone away with time. So, I think he's definitely set for a really good season for Arsenal. I'm glad that you mentioned Martin Erdegaard in there as well, actually, because we kind of skipped over him a little bit. And for me, like I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago that I know both of you saw and got quite a lot of kind of backlash in the sense that there was comparisons with Ozil and, and the way in which he presses. But Erdegaard's pressing is just, it's, it's factual. It's there to see. It's amazing. And that's what I wanted from this Arsenal team is, is just the energy and the drive and the determination to win the ball back as high up as possible. I mean, without going too overboard, you think of the Barcelona sides that would just press constantly and win the ball back as soon as possible. And that's what I've always wanted from an Arsenal team alongside that that fantastic kind of tiki-taka style football. Um, we are going to take a couple of questions from the chat just before we wrap up. It's important. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. If you haven't already, please do drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the Arsenal way if you are new around here. A really interesting question uh, from Venkatesh, Chris, who asks about a similarly inexperienced coach in the Premier League. Do you think that Arteta is doing a better job in the context, I suppose, around uh, the Premier League and both clubs than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Can Arteta achieve more with the quality of United? Already won the FA Cup. Yeah, as Venkatesh says, I mean, it depends what you define as uh, doing a better job. If it's trophies, then yeah, he's he's done a better job already um, than Ole. And I think Ole is... be interesting to compare the, the transfer fee spent uh, uh, from each club. So I don't know if you guys uh, know how much uh, United has spent compared to Arsenal. But United has spent quite a lot of money, haven't they, in the past um, couple of windows. And this summer they spent a lot. We know Arsenal spent £150 million. They were the highest spenders. But generally, I think Mikel Arteta is a talented young coach. Um, we know what he wants to do. He's explained his vision. So has Edu. Um, and I think, in my opinion, the, the answer to that question is yes. It's a really interesting, interesting. I think it's a very harsh question, actually, from OG, but it's important that we tackle these. Kaya, uh, he says, uh, so we are all convinced with Xhaka now. I myself thought he did all right, but think Lukonga could have done the same job, if not more efficiently. Xhaka can't do anything wrong with Arteta. Um, Chris and I have diff slightly different opinions when it comes to Granit Xhaka. I think, I think he offers a lot to the Arsenal midfield, and I think a lot of the sort of the the binary nature of social media means that he's either amazing or he's rubbish. Mm. He's not. He's he's not. He's not. You know, um, the best midfielder Arsenal ever had, and he's he's not a terrible player, which is what a lot of social media seems to want to make him out as. I think he offers a really important thing to this Arsenal midfield in terms of covering for Kieran Tierney, in terms of being able to get the ball forward, in terms of controlling the tempo of the game in midfield. And I don't think there's that many Arsenal players that offer that. Obviously. Sambi is someone who we all really like. and We've all seen really promising things in the early part of the season, but he is only 21 years old. It's a lot of pressure to ask him to suddenly come in, start every single game. Granit Xhaka is an important, experienced player. And I guess the question was, are we all convinced by Granit Xhaka? We all, for me, my issue with Xhaka is it, it maybe feels like 
we know what he's doing now. We know we know what we can expect from Granit Xhaka. We, I've outlined all his strengths and we know his weaknesses as well. And I feel it feels like a matter of time before maybe those come to the fore again. But I think Granit Xhaka, in the meantime, is someone who can offer the Arsenal midfield a lot. And I think it's maybe a little bit harsh and sometimes a little bit over the top to imply that's not the case. So I really like Sambi and I think he will be a starting midfielder for Arsenal eventually. But I don't think he, um, just off the back of maybe two or three impressive performances, is quite in a position to display Shaka from the starting eleven just yet. Yeah, I think there's two lines from that. I think there's one that you say there's a little bit of new toy syndrome, which I think often affects Arsenal fans with, with Lukonga and wanting to see him play as much as possible. And the other is, a rather frustrating one, is that when a player plays really well that's a little bit divisive, as Granite Xhaka can be, um, I think that when people who necessarily aren't his biggest fans see a lot of praise for him, the, the natural reaction is to go, hold on, but what about all of the bad things? When actually you should probably just appreciate what he's done in that specific game, which if we're real, was a really top-class performance. Last question each, then and we'll wrap things up. Um, O'Melly asked Chris, do you think Arteta will not play the academy players in the cup competitions? You mentioned earlier, of course, Charlie Patino not being included in the Wimbledon uh, game squad, as the senior players need representations to be prepared if they are called upon in the Premier League? Uh, good question. Uh, yeah, look, I think with Charlie Patino, there was so much disappointment that he didn't play, or at least from, from my side, I was quite disappointed not to see him play Likewise. Um, that game. Uh, I think it's shared as well by people at Arsenal as well in the academy, um, the academy setup. I think there's a lot of disappointment that Mikel Arteta decided to go with Thomas Partey. I know that Partey did request to play that game. Mohamed Elneny also wanted to play and um, I don't think he even came on, did he? Um, in the end, he was on the bench, wasn't he, for that game? So that was, um, f for me, I just, I feel like it was a wasted opportunity because it was a match which Arsenal probably would have won even if they put a team of reserves or under 23s on the pitch. Um, and I think Patino has been impressing in training so much. Uh, it just felt, from at least from the outside, it felt like the right time. And, and speaking to people as well at the club, there there was disappointment that he, he wasn't involved and the other academy players weren't involved as well. So, yeah, um, to answer the question, I don't think so because as Arsenal go into the latter stages, they're probably going to be fielding an even stronger team because Mikel Arteta wants to win a domestic trophy this season. So maybe he'll be in the squad for the next game but i can't see um Mikel Arteta fielding youngsters now as arsenal progress through the tournament yeah it did very much feel like if not now when that's that's kind of got the feeling i got with him not being in the squad last question then and a really intriguing one from jonathan caro says should we loan out gabriel martinelli in january not getting enough minutes for some it's a good question um my initial reaction would be no, just purely because all it takes is one injury and then Gabriel Marcelli is either starting or the first choice sub off the bench. Um, I think he's got a lot to offer the Arsenal team. And I think just purely from that point of view, if Arsenal are in need of a goal in terms of their immediate short-term first team needs, Gabriel Martinelli can offer that. There's not a whole host of players who we can count on in the Arsenal squad as guaranteed goal scorers, but I think we can probably put Gabriel Martinelli in and amongst that bracket. So, I think he really does need game time, but at the same time, I think it's important for him to learn on <clears throat> me from experienced strikers like Alex Lacazette, like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and also take opportunities when they come. And I think he'll get them. Around Christmas, we always see the fixture list gets a bit more hectic. 
Arteta will rotate his squad. He'll get more games then in December, January. And then if he can take that opportunity, I'm sure he'll get more minutes. Of course, we have to remember AFCON as well. Nicola Pepe, Yerick Aubameyang are both going to be gone for potentially the whole month of January, summer, February as well. So Martinelli will get his chance. I don't think he'll go out on loan in January. And I think he should stay to try and make the most of that opportunity when it does come. Yeah, I think you're listing off the players there that are going to be away uh, in January is uh, concerning. It's scary, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very scary indeed. And when you think Partey and El Nenny, the midfield is going to be very light too. It makes sense why we maybe didn't go for Andre Onana as well uh, in the previous summer window. Could have had even more key players gone from the squad. That is where we're going to wrap things up, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the Arsenal Wear for New. We just hit 2,000 subscribers, which considering that we're still very, very young in our infancy is, is amazing. So thank you for the continued support. Um, Chris, thank you ever so much for, for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, mate. Cheers. No problem. Kaya, likewise. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Good stuff. You'll be able to find Kaya and Chris uh, regularly appearing, I'm sure. And we'll speak to them soon about the regular updates as Arsenal go towards an obvious title challenge this season after that amazing victory <laughs> at the weekend. We will see you very, very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh,